Welcome to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. Today we are in Leviticus chapter 11, a very interesting chapter. It is that chapter that kind of goes hand in hand with uh, the old saying that you are what you eat. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess that's true. Um, in, in regards to this, there were, uh, there were things that were considered clean animals and unclean animals. So I guess if you were to consume something unclean, you were considered unclean and what it could do uh, to you. Um, but, you know, Jesus himself said in the Gospels that whatever, you know, enters the mouth and goes through the stomach, you know, basically does not defile a man. It's what comes out of, what, of him that defiles a man. And so we're looking at some simple aspects, though, of, of what God said to do and not to do for, for good reason, though. See, God is, the, God is the farmer. God is the creator. He's the, he's the health inspector, and he's also the master chef in, in regards to this chapter. And so... The, the, again, the theme of Leviticus, the theme of Leviticus, it's a book of worship. It, it, it's, it's what defined how the ancient Israelites were to worship and how to, to worship God. And it, it's also a record of God's commands to his people regarding and how they should live on top of it. And so as we read through this book, we might encounter some, some passages that are going to seem strange, Right? But we need to read them in the context of God's concern and, and for God's care of the people. Because the passage we read today shows God's blessing on the worship of Moses and Aaron. Yes, you know, and all that. Right in front of all of Israel, God shows up and, and, and we saw that in Exodus. Okay, God demonstrated his approval of, of his people by physically manifesting himself to them. And so... If you're, like say for instance, if you're a regular church attendee, and you have had that kind of experience in worship, right? Where God, has God shown up? Do you feel that God showed up in your worship experience? So chances are, it's pretty slim that part of your worship is a, uh, is a giant barbecue, but you know, with God providing fire for the charcoal, the minds and the hearts of the people who turn their minds and hearts toward Him, We'll be able to smell exactly what it is that he's cooking here. So what about our own personal lives here? What about our own personal lives? We're going to see, I think, I'd like to think we're going to see more than, you know, than what to eat and what not to eat. A lot of people really were just like, ah, you know, hey, I know I'm not going to eat this kind of stuff. But, you know, again, I want to bring a fascination here to us to, to, to realize that, that this was God's creation and, and his, his knowing of what to do and what not to do and how to take things seriously. And so we might actually learn a few things too here that that was never known to us. Because again, the creator, you go to the instruction manual when you want to know something. And this was the perfect instruction manual. Again, the book of Leviticus was very important to the people of this time. You know, if you were a Jewish male growing up, this book was to be memorized because it was that important. Our worship and our obedience is important to God, it's, and it's important to our lives. And so let us not disregard 
anything in this book, even though we may not have to practice particular rituals, we, not, we may not have to practice particular um, dietary laws, because again, the book of Leviticus consists of three to four different things. You know, you have your ceremonial laws, you have your your dietary laws, and you have your judicial laws, and you have your moral laws. And really, again, just as a, as a uh, rebuff, if you will, the moral laws are what was transferred into the New Testament. And some of the judicial laws as well. A lot of the judicial laws that we utilize in our own country here in the United States, as well as around the world were judicial laws that God had created. And but, you know, for the most part, we're looking at some of the dietary laws, but and though we don't have to uh follow these dietary laws because we're not bound by a law here, I I'd, I'd like to think that we're going to see some things here at least on what God was doing in looking out for his people. You ever do you remember like growing up our parents would tell us don't put that in your mouth, right? I mean, because um, we didn't know. You know, there, there was things we just didn't know. And, and so, that's what God's doing here with his people. You know, he, he reminds them that I am the God who, who delivered you from Egypt. I'm the God who delivered you out of slavery. And I'm the one who had to deliver you out of a culture that was cultish. And, and by that cultish culture... God had to rebuild them into his image. And, and, and he had to educate them on the things they never knew. And so Moses himself, even though Moses was educated from an Egyptian standpoint, and, and that's very impressive to a worldly standpoint at that time, because again, Egypt was considered the top place of the world when it comes to that. And Moses was a part of that. He got the best of the best. But you see, he got an even better education from the creator who knows all things beyond that of the Egyptian empire. So we're going to take a look. Now, we're not going to read every passage from chapter 11. Because there's a lot of animals that are being named here that we just know that we're not going to eat. Or, or what God had said not to eat. But I think we're going to, we're going to find some interesting things here that I, want to, uh, that I do want to make sure that we do know of. So what we're going to look at first are the foods that are permitted uh, and, for, and forbidden. Um, so I believe it's the first uh, things that are forbidden. That God says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the animals which you, you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. So they, these are the ones that are, are permittable. Among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves and chewing the cud, that you may eat. Nevertheless, you shall not eat among those that chew the cud, or those that have cloven hooves. The camel, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves, it is unclean to you. The rock hyrax, because it chews the cud, but does not have clo cloven hooves, is unclean to you. And so the hare, because it chews the cud, and does uh, not have the cloven hooves, is unclean to you. And the swine, though it divides the hoof, having uh, cloven uh, hooves, yet does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcass you shall not touch, they are unclean to you. These you may eat of all that. Um, are in the water, whatever is in the water and has fins and scales, and, and uh, whether in the seas or in the rivers that you may eat. But all in the seas or in the rivers that do not have fins or scales, all that move in the water or any living thing which is in the water, they are an ab abomination to you. 
And they shall be an abomination to you that you shall not eat the flesh, but you shall regard their carcasses as an abomination. And whatever is in the water does not have fins or scales, there shall be an abomination to you, and these shall regard as an abomination among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. And so he gives a list of certain things that we don't normally eat. Um, so we're going to be looking at, you know, he, he mentions eagles and falcons and buzzards and ravens and whatever have you, and seagulls, hawks, you know, screech owls. Those are things we know we don't eat. Those are the things we know that when we go into a store... We're not going to go into the butcher and say, can I have some screech owl? That's not there because you know that we there is health standards that, that you know, even they would say that's uh, not permittable to sell here. And so I found it, again, very interesting. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I'm such a barbecue buff, you know, and a lot of people just love pork products. But, if you, if, you know, if you think about it, if, if if pork was not cooked properly, you know, that could get you very sick, probably even kill somebody, which it has before in the past. And so we, we take, for instance, what God said here, and we realize that, well, he obviously knows exactly what he's talking about because we've experienced these things. And so we look at that and say, God is good. And so these particular animals... Uh, we could look at these other animals again. Uh, these things that are uh, things that have fish that have scales and fish that do not. Uh, we could look at uh, catfish, for instance. And there's people who love catfish, but for for what we know, that these particular animals, which do not have fins or scales, such as oysters and shellfish, some people are very allergic to those things. And on top of it, those particular kind of fish are also bottom feeders and scavengers. So again, these are things that, that must be taken very, uh, very importantly and, and not taken lightly at all. Because we, we look at the things that God said here and we think to ourselves like, like, oh, you know, I eat that stuff all the time. And there's a lot of things I do like as well. But again, you can almost taste the difference in a lot of these things. If, if, if you have, um, if you've eaten, I love, you know, I love uh, lobster. I love, I, I love uh, uh, shrimp and stuff like that, you know. And, 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 and what's interesting here about lobsters in the United States was lobsters were actually, you know, were not considered uh, a delicacy until, until, gosh, until the later 1900s because in uh, certain areas of New England, Lobsters are what they used to feed prisoners. They, they, they would wash up on the shores and they would feed the prisoners of New England. But nowadays, it's considered an, an expensive treat to go to when you go to a restaurant. But it was interesting that even lobsters at one point are what they used to feed the prisoners because they figured, oh, let's, <laughs> let's give them that, right? Nowadays, the, the, you know, prison food is not... Um, is not anything to brag about, but I'm sure they would love to have lobster nowadays. But they, but again, these are the things that God said to do and not to do. He these are the, the, the things he said to eat and not to eat. You know, we think about too in his creation that the particular fish that were created with scales allowed them to swim better, and the fish that that uh, do not have scales again typically bottom feeders. And and, and so there was interesting concepts that allowed us to um, to learn and allowed us to develop within time. 
You know, and again, the principle. There, there was a principle. And, and a lot of these things can do some very bad things to the human body. And so, whenever you, whenever you, uh, you know, you buy something, a lot of people have to read very closely the ingredients. Because we have developed such allergies nowadays. And we don't know. We don't know what uh, what it could do to us. You know, my youngest son has very uh, serious uh, tree nut allergies. Uh, over, I think, a year and a half ago, he had barely had taken a bite of a chocolate-covered cashew and became very sick. And, and in fact, he even had some ice cream that had no nut products in it, but it was actually made with particular... Um, it was made in the same de- uh, device in the machinery with uh, nut products, and that caused him to get sick again. And so we had no idea that he was very allergic to these things until one day he accidentally, or he ate it, and we found out the hard way. But see, God gave them an easy way to find out <laughs> that you shouldn't eat this, because you are going to be much better off. And, and there was good reason for it. Now, in regards to certain birds, you know, there again, there was a lot of uh, birds and so on and so forth that uh, were not to be touched as well. And, you know, we look at, and again, we look at like vultures that said, you know, the vultures and certain other birds were not to be eaten because they're birds of prey technically that eat and prey on dead animals that could cause whoever, that whatever you eat of them and you're eating what they ate and could cause you to get deathly sick. But we also look at ravens as well, because ravens were also on there. Now, in, in Eastern culture, the ravens were considered birds of doom. And so, so you know, we look at that other aspect as well as what was considered clean and unclean animals. And so, but God also brings up something interesting here too in regards to insects. Now, who in the world would want to eat insects? Because he said here in, in verses 20 to 23 that all flying insects that creep on all fours shall be an abomination to you as well. Yet these you may eat of every flying insect that creeps on all fours. Those which have jointed legs above their feet with, uh, with which to leap on the earth, and these you may these you may eat the locust after its kind, the destroying locust after its kind, the cricket after its kind, and the grasshopper after its kind. But all other flying insects which have four feet shall be an abomination to you. Now, I don't know anybody really that would want to eat those things, but people do. And again, cultural aspects. If you go to the Middle East, it's, it, there's, um, yeah, you can go to a place or a restaurant or a, uh, or maybe somebody's house and they will serve you locusts on a platter. And, and again, not something that's appealing, but it, I guess it wasn't bad to a lot of people. Uh, look at John the Baptist, for instance. Uh, John the Baptist uh, was out there living in the desert, surviving on wild locusts and honey. And the interesting thing was, is he never once even broke the he never once even broke the Levitical dietary laws even, and so that's what he was basically surviving on. And so again, not something that we would want, but God utilized a particular uh, a particular handful of things that could be eaten, especially if you were in a form of survival. 
you know, there's a lot of survival books out there, too, that tells you what you can eat and not eat and what could happen to you and so on and so forth. Well, the, the, the original author was God himself. But a lot of people have credited other authors that have written survival books. But again, God is the original author. God is the, re- the original chef. He's the farmer. He's the, he's the agricultural expert. He's the, he's the health department inspector. You know, he, he's giving us all of these important things. And, and, but he also says, by this, in ter- verse 24, by, by these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches the carcass of any of them shall be unclean. And whoever carries part of the carcass of them shall wash the clothes and, and be unclean until evening. And, and the carcass of any animal which divides the foot, but is not cloven hoofed or does not chew the cut, is unclean to you. Everyone who touches it shall be unclean, and whatever goes on its paws among all animals that goes on all fours, those are unclean to you as well. So it says, well, whoever touches the, any carcass shall be unclean until that evening, and whoever carries any such carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It is unclean to you. And so, we look at this, you know, just like the concept of don't put that in your mouth. Our parents would tell us, don't touch that. What, you know, you, you, you shouldn't touch uh, a, dead, a dead carcass of any kind. Because of the diseases and stuff that, that would uh, that would be carried and so on and so forth, and, and again, you know, what's interesting is is that people forget uh, a little bit of history here, world history. That the the we had the Black Plague that happened. Uh, it was in the 1800s, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I could be wrong on the actual date, but it was the Black Plague when that hit in in uh, England, I believe it was, and. What was interesting was it was it was a Jewish doctor that basically was there and observed the conditions of the area and, and exposed what the problem was. It was their unclean living conditions and the things that they were doing. You know, we uh, for many years when when they would bury a body, they they didn't bury the body deep enough, and therefore the 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 carcasses that were buried actually caused diseases because of how um, of how shallow they were buried. So th- that is why six feet is typical. And so, um, again, six feet below was a considered a safe depth. But we know we don't carry those things. We know we don't touch those things either. You know, <laughs> you can smell that stuff. And But some people, again, just... Didn't learn. They didn't know. And and you take, for instance, I mean, it's really simple. If you took a, a, clear, a clear glass of water, and then if you just put a drop of muddy water in that clear dry glass, that, that full-on glass is now going to be completely contaminated. And, and just because of a drop of the muddy water... You you cannot consume what was now or what was once the clear glass, and and the concept goes with with touching such things as as that of a carcass. You'd have to wash your clothes and, and so on and so forth. Now there was no sacrifice 
um, involved in this or uh, in, in, in regards to this particular uh, thing. You were just unclean until the evening. Now later on God's going to get into more um, ceremonial details in regards to what to do if you were to touch other certain things. But right now, again, this was, a, this was in regards to uh, preventative measures. Now, this is interesting here in verse 31 where God spoke of something here which makes perfect sense. He also said, These are unclean to you among all that creep. Whichever touches them when they are dead shall be clean until evening. But anything on which any of them falls when they are dead shall be unclean. Whether it is any item or of wood or clothing or skin or sack, uh, whatever item it is... Um, in which any work is done, it must be put in water, and it shall be unclean until evening, and it shall be clean. Any earthen vessel into which any of them falls, ye shall break. And whatever is in it, it shall be unclean. In such a vessel, any edible food upon which water falls becomes unclean. And any drink that may be drunk from it becomes unclean. And everything on which a part of any such carcass falls uh, shall be unclean. Whether it is in, uh, in an oven or a cooking stove, it shall be broken down, for they are unclean, and shall be unclean to you. Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern in which uh, there is plenty of water shall be clean, but whatever touches any such carcass becomes unclean. And if a part of any such carcass falls on any planting seed which is to be sown, it remains clean, but if water is put on the seed, and if a part of it, any such carcass falls on it, it becomes unclean to you. And you know, it's funny reading about this and talking about this, because right now as we speak, we're in um, uh, the middle of May, or end of May of 2020, and right now as we speak, as a part of history, we're going through what is called a, the coronavirus, which a lot of us have had to practice more cleanliness measures. And because this coronavirus had, had been caused apparently by a particular animal in China, that had caused a, an unknown virus to spread in China and then to people that were visiting all around the world, causing sicknesses and death amongst many people. And so they, uh, people were consuming a particular animal there. And in this animal was a carrier of this, of this unknown disease which has caused fear amongst the world and death amongst the world. And, and scientists are still scrambling after months of trying to figure out a, a, um, a vaccine for it. Now, God knows the vaccine. God is the vaccine. But he gave us the measures. You know, we, we took a look at like certain things, like if a, uh, say if like a rat or something crawled across the bowl. God says you're just to, you're just to break it, just to completely break it. Why? Because these were things that were based on the welfare of the family and the welfare of those around you. And so these these laws apply for the sake of safety. You know, and so what was interesting was is that these these carcasses or whatever they are were that needed to be handled. There was a ceremonial cleansing that needed to be done, and there was washing, and then there was also a form of quarantine. And that's something we can say that we know very well right now in the form of quarantine. God God commanded such things that that we we must do in order to um, in order to be safe, if you will. And so, what was neat here is what God says towards the end. 
For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves. And you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither you shall defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the animals and the birds and every living creature that moves in the waters. And of every creature that creeps on the earth to distinguish between the unclean and the clean. And between the animal that may be eaten and the animal that may not be eaten. He said it before. He goes, for I am the Lord your God. That is, I am the be-all, end-all of all things. I'm the one who, who knows what's right and what's not. And so, again, one of the most important passages that God spoke of in the Bible and also considered in that of the book of Leviticus was to be holy for I am holy, he said. Be holy for I am holy. I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. Now this was considered the second claim that God had put upon the people. Making it known to them. Right? He was making known to them that, that I am your creator and I am, your, I am the one who delivers. But I'm also more than that. I'm a father, I'm a protector, I'm a guider. And like that parent who basically teaches the child of, of what to do and what to touch and not touch and what, what, what could be eaten and not be eaten, God is the perfect parent in, in regards to that. Because he did this for the love of his children. We teach our children these things as well if you think about it. God was the standard bearer. You know, when you see that can in the medicine cabinet with the skull and crossbones, we know that it's poisonous. And you're not going to say, oh, sure, drink it up. No, I mean, if we care about our, our, our children, we're going to make sure that it's nowhere around. And that's what God was trying to do. These things were in our midst, but he, he gave us the wisdom to not be messing with these things. And so, praise God. Don't defile yourself, because now it came down to now you know. Now you know what is what. And so, now that, now that God said, now that you know what is what, what are you going to do with it in the form of obedience? So he says, you shall therefore sanctify yourself, and neither shall you defile yourselves. How, how serious do we take, you know, sin? Now, these are dietary laws. These dietary laws, again, as a reminder, if you're a first-time listener, these are not laws that were passed on to, to the believer, if you will, the Christian believer. These were towards the children of Israel of this day, and it was a good law because, again, this was a matter of protection and a matter of what to do and not to do and what to touch and not to touch and eat and not to eat, okay? But, but God is still good. So, so how do we look at the aspect of sin? You know, again, the book of Leviticus was a perfect reminder of preventative measures. And it was to be taken very seriously. So, so do we take very seriously the things of sin? Or, or do we just kind of look at it as a, as a thing of like, ah, we don't have to worry about that. We can kind of do whatever we want. You know, this was a book on legalism, if you will. And, and you know, we want to make sure, and I think I want to make sure I clarify to us, that we want to make sure that we know the difference between legalism and wisdom. 
You know, a lot of people want to use the term legalism because they enjoy doing certain things that may not be pleasing to God. So therefore, they, they like to look at it as a form of legalism. But really, if you don't do certain things, it's more of a form of wisdom which is going to protect you, and not just protect you, but please God in the same aspect. And so, these are good things. These were just, again, these were just educational things, if you will. If you're going to school, if you're going to culinary school to be a chef, you're not just going over there to taste, to make food taste good and look good and make it pretty. One of the, one of the main things that they teach you in culinary school, because one of my closest friends, um, is a chef. And he, um, he told me that, because he went to, uh, the, one of the, culinary schools of Los Angeles and uh, he's worked at some of the top restaurants as well he said really what's interesting in, in culinary school was is that he said they pretty much kind of taught you most of the sanitary stuff and, and uh, just particular rules of temperature and all those other things it's kind of like the same aspect of what God was teaching here but you see God is teaching us in life those things This was, again, simple teachings on life. But now that we've gotten to the, uh, some of the simple instructions on certain things of life, I want to go into more of the, uh, the aspect of your spiritual life now. Are you, are you going to be able to meet God and be with God for eternity if your time is up tomorrow? And so this right here, again, was the stepping stone. The book of Leviticus was, again, the stepping stone to so much. And if you're a first-time listener, I want to encourage you to, uh, to also listen to some of the other chapters, or I mean the other books as well, that has been taught on A Voice in the Distance. But if you're a first-time listener to this chapter, I'm here to make, you known that, uh, to make it known that God had brought His only begotten Son, Christ Jesus, a perfect living sacrifice that, that was never defiled, to be a sacrifice once and for all of our sins, to be with Him in heaven. And, and so, while God was instructing on what to do and not to do, He sent Christ Jesus as that example on earth at the time. And He died on the cross for our sins. And he rose again three days later as he said he would. And then for 40 days he stayed on the earth and then ascended into heaven to be up in heaven. Waiting for us. And, and he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to say, to, to, to invite him into your heart and to say that I want to be a part of you. That's what he's waiting for. And so, if you feel led, if you want to know God, if you want to know the God that created all things and knows all things, He wants you and He loves you. And He's inviting you because He is a God of invitation. He is inviting you to come to Him and to dine with Him. (laughs) And so, we'll be able to do that in heaven. So if you feel led, I want to give you that opportunity to do that. I want to give you that opportunity to receive the Lord, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, the Son of God, the Creator of all. 
to give you a place in heaven. So if you feel led, there's one simple way to do that, and that is a prayer of repentance and receiving. So I ask you now to, to repeat after me in this prayer that if you want to receive Him as your Lord and your Savior, it's that simple. So repeat after me, dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins as I confess to you that I am a sinner. And Lord, I ask for you to receive me as your child, Lord, as I receive you as my Father. I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. Cleanse me of all of my sins. And Lord, I want to be with you when my time is up. And I ask, Lord, that you would continue, Father, to teach me and guide me. As I will continue to walk with you. For Lord, I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I receive you now, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, again... Interesting stuff here. I hope it's enjoyable to you. I know many people kind of have a tough time with the book of Leviticus. But, you know, I, I want to make sure that, uh, you know, try to teach it as clearly as possible. Because God is good all the time. But God is also right all the time. So we want to make sure that we are dividing the word of God perfectly. With accuracy and passion. And with all things in truth. Because that's what God is. God is truth. And that's what he was giving the people here, was nothing but truth. We found out the hard way. <laughs> you know, you, if you consume certain things in life, you're going to pay for it. And it goes beyond just food items. If we consume anything that is unclean, it's going to harm us. So seek God. Seek all of the things of God. And look intently into every chapter because God had something to say of importance. So I want to join, I ask you to join me continually as we seek Him and His Word. So may God bless you and keep you and watch over you.